Cyber Synapse, the podcast that's creating connections through candid conversations about cyber issues. Sponsored by Agency, with your host, Kath Nibbs. Welcome to this week's episode. This week, yeah, we're covering GDPR. Um, this is everybody's favourite topic at the moment, isn't it? One week to go, folks. Less than one week to go. This Friday coming, GDPR comes into force. And we're going to stop getting those emails, maybe. Maybe. Mm. Well, we'll just see. Um, so, this week I actually interviewed somebody called Rowena. And she is another DPA specialist. That's data protection. Um, and, yeah, I, I really enjoyed the conversation with Rowena because uh, she says it as it is. Um, and obviously, for those of you who are regular listeners, this is a candid conversation. Um, this is this is the place where we have the 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 kind of tete a tete that um, doesn't appear on lots of other uh, academic websites. And you know, you won't find this on the ICO website. That's for shizzle. Um, so again, uh, my uh, yeah, my selling selling. Yes, I'm fed up of eating beans, people. Um, go over to Patreon. I have been uh, recording little bits of um, what I do with the podcast. Um, so there should be war, uh, a couple of posts up there. Um, I do a little video and that stays up for 24 hours um, where I do a little bit of musing. And it's a place where you can uh, donate to my Stoppy in Beans fund. Um, essentially what I'm asking for is uh, for people to help fund yeah to pay for to pay for my time um some of the some of the uh interviews that i do i have to get up at um half past five at night uh, half past five in the morning i'll stay stay up really late at night because i'm interviewing and talking to people from around the world um this has an impact on my mental health in terms of um i don't want to eat beans for breakfast i don't want to eat beans for tea anymore um actually i don't even eat beans but it's it's just a uh a joke that's obviously started that I'm going to continue with until I have enough um, Patreons to effectively stop eating beans. Uh, have fun with the episode this week. Uh, I'm aware that there are quite a few questions uh, geared towards my profession, um, but that's because my profession really does need to kick up its ass, um, and they need to get them they need to get themselves into order and get their act together. Um, but that will be um, something that will happen later on this year, no doubt. Um, when people recognise other laws around PECA and uh, Digital Economy Act, and I think we've got other things coming through, and obviously the GDPR in relation to children and Article 29 over at the EU, and lots and lots of other things that I'm aware are happening. Um, enjoy. See you next week. Welcome to Cyber Synapse. This week, I'm joined by Rowena Fielding. Rowena is, in her own words, a nerd and an anorak around topics to do with um, data protection. So as we're coming towards GDPR, which will be at the end of the week that this podcast goes out, uh, I've invited Rowena on, uh, Rowena on because um, I've absolutely been in hysterics at a lot of the tweets that you put out. Um, so I will put, I will put um, your uh, Twitter handle in the show notes at the end of it. Um, but just to begin with, Rowena, why, why do you do what you do? I pretty much do what I do because I am an insufferable smart ass. 
and I got into this when it was really niche and now uh, I know a bit more about it than most people so uh, I can run around showing off. Um, also <laughs> I got into it because for me it's the perfect combination of being able to geek out with hardcore intellectual challenges but also really get involved with people and understand people and you know protect and look after people without necessarily having to deal with them as individuals so yeah it's a combination of, of uh, bookworm and white knight that appeals to me I'm absolutely and and do you know what I'm I'm quite happy to have other egotistical uh, nerds and anoraks on on the on the show if you like because actually that is exactly um, my kind of people that's <laughs> that's exactly where I'm coming from so what we're actually talking about is data protection so yeah um I think the first question I'm going to ask you is is to do with what what is the most important thing that you think we need to be dealing with um, bearing in mind, by the time people listen to this, they'll probably have three or four days to, to um, get to the co compliance stage. Um, yeah, so that's not going to happen. Um, I think even <laughs> the law having been enacted two years and, and 18 days ago, um, even that wasn't enough time for anybody to get anywhere near compliance. But actually, everybody needs to stop obsessing about compliance and tick boxes and technical quibbles and stuff like that and take a step back and look at the big picture and take a deep breath and go, essentially, the purpose of GDPR is don't be a git. That's the premise. That's the idea. It's to protect people from each other. Um, so yeah. Yeah. the answer to any given, is this compliant question is going to relate directly to is this being a git? So if you're not sure whether something's fair and lawful, go out and explain it to somebody on the street. And if they think you're being a git, then it's probably not fair and lawful. So don't be a git. Yeah. The most important thing to remember. Yeah. Okay. New hashtag after the, t after the 25th. Absolutely. Yep. Hashtag don't be a git. <laughs> yeah. Oh, good. This is going to be another one of those um, podcasts where people at the end of it are like, uh, yeah, that was really helpful. I understood it in layman's terms. Yeah. Don't be a git. Good. Yeah. I, I hope so. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So um, obviously one of the things that I will say is we, we do get a little bit of freezing sometimes on the Zoom video. So for those that are on YouTube, I apologize for that. And for those of you that are on the uh, the audio on iTunes, just, just bear with us. Um, because it doesn't tend to affect the audio at all. Um, okay, so yeah, don't be a git. I'm I'm kind of sat going. Actually, that that needs to be something I'm going to write on the top of my contract. Um, so yeah, what what are we doing? This is Data Protection Act. I'm thinking of uh, two or three things that I've seen, if you like, trending on a lot of the social media this last week. Um, have been words around um, consent and data controller. So I think in in the world of um, counseling and psychotherapy these are the two things that are they're causing a furore but I know it's not just my profession and yes definitely head banging eye rolling face palm moment so mm, yes consent um <laughs> the c word um yeah. one of the c words the other one's compliance um the thing that a lot of people um, don't realize is that consent is a word used in a lot of different laws um, and it's not the same thing. So under Mental Capacity Act, if you can't, if you do a capacity assessment to see whether or not the person has capacity in that place and time for that particular decision. Mm -hmm. um, 
to an intervention, to uh, treatment or care, something happening to them. And that is completely different to getting their consent to process their personal data. Certainly in a healthcare context, you should never ever ask for or need consent to process the personal data for the purpose of delivering healthcare because there is yeah. a specific provision in the GDPR for that. It is in fact Article 9, uh, Section 2, Paragraph H. And that's how much we're that's, your, that, your, that's um, your book word. <laughs> yeah, that says if you need to process personal data in order to deliver or manage health or social care services then just go and do it because actually because of the power imbalance um, consent isn't even legally possible to obtain under those circumstances but because medical ethics research ethics mental capacity act all those things duty of confidentiality also mention consent people get confused and think it's all the same consent for the same thing and it really really isn't and that's possibly the most important message um, to jump up and down screaming about in the roll-up to gdpr um, yeah. consent may not fit what you think it means absolutely and i will say that i know you've d- um you've done a blog on this haven't you regarding the um so obviously i come from a um a position where consent is something that I generally talk about when I'm working with victims of sexual abuse but here we are talking about the same word in a slightly different context with a slightly different meaning um, and I, to be perfectly honest this is the this is the flaw with the English language isn't it so I find when I'm teaching about trauma that trauma has more than one meaning um, but but in terms of consent this is very different and it's um, I think your blog was based on the the sexual consent tea um, that was it yes. it was the tea, tea video wasn't it yes yeah and yeah i mean that that in with that blog post i sort of illustrated how um consent for sexual activity is very very different from consent for data Mm -hmm. processing although they're alike in some ways they are very unlike in other ways um so it's important to remember when you're talking about consent what flavor of consent are you talking about is it maybe consent consent to medical intervention or green consent which might be consent to disclosure of confidentiality confidential information Mm -hmm. red consent is data protection consent for processing um or even yellow consent which is um yes i really would like to snog you right now um Yeah. yeah consent is not a one size fits all yeah, and I do like the traffic light system that you're using there because it, it's it's quite an easy and well, I'm hoping it's an easy analogy for um, some some people to to understand. Um, yeah, oh, dear me, where do I go with this? I'm just thinking of the word <laughs> privacy now. Um, in terms of that, also has um, different connotations. But this is the thing that I'm seeing is is, and I'm going to say I am absolutely sick to the back of my bleeding teeth at the moment with these emails and the, the, uh, yeah there is something around um and i think i, I, re- I replied back to jamie bartlett on on twitter i hadn't realized that i'd signed up to so much shit so many uh, didn't. I, well no some of them i haven't um and as i said to um i was actually talking to somebody the other week i have different email addresses for certain reasons so this is one of the things that i do in my my profession and a few of them are coming via my website uh, direct and a few are coming through other routes where I know that data has been shared mm-hmm. and I, I've yeah. kind of looked at these emails and gone I didn't sign up to that I am not clicking on anything um, I've had a few where 
uh, at one point I got, um, I think they were, who was it that sent through? Um, MailChimp. And if you clicked on unsubscribe, it would then sign you up for another. And I, I was looking at, oh, I don't know, I don't even know where to begin. So I'm just going to pass this over and say, <laughs> what the hell is going on? Well, in addition to all these, where are all these emails coming from? My, um, my layer of WTF on top of that is the fact that nowhere in GDPR does it mention email marketing anywhere oh, at all. Yeah. Yeah. So um, the requirement to get consent for unsolicited direct marketing via electronic channels is from PECA, yes. which is Privacy and Electronic Communications Regulations 2003 note 15 years ago, yeah. uh, which everybody has been completely ignoring up until now. Because uh -huh. what GDPR does is raise the standard for consent and require you to have evidence that it is informed, freely given, specific and unambiguous, everybody's suddenly running around going oh my god we've got a database full of email addresses we've got no idea where this data came from um, we're going to get into massive trouble if we can't show that we're um, <laughs> doing stuff with yeah. it on the basis of consent quickly let's break the law by emailing everybody without consent for marketing purposes to consent to get consent for marketing purposes oh, so if you oh, get one of those emails yes. It's pretty much a red flag that you cannot trust the organization that sent it to comply with the law and respect yep. your personal data. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yes, I have. I mean, to, to quote, this was um, a very funny conversation. It didn't actually appear on the podcast, but both Gary and I, for, uh, Gary from Agency, when we started to talk about PECA, we just fell about laughing because, as he said, you know, because everybody loves a bit of PECA. Um, Absolutely. And it's I'm a PECA fan. I need one of those things. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I, I'm, I'm saying to people uh, I, on Facebook groups, you know, what, why are you talking all GDPR? This, this is much bigger than GDPR. You're, you're not looking at that and that's PECA. And then somebody will say, well, what's PECA? And I've kind of gone, do you know what? I'm not doing this anymore. So I've, I've retracted um, and A, brought, brought yourself on because you're the expert and I'm not. I'm, I'm a psychotherapist who seems to be in this area and yeah um but i i'm just thinking in fact i did put i did put a response out on linkedin about the fact that i'm getting these emails in means that people didn't understand what they were asking me to consent to when i signed up for a mailing list and i have not sent out to anybody who is on my mailing list if you need to please click on this link to opt in because they opted in in the first bloody place yeah, well, there, there are some organisations who got con valid consent, but whose evidence for it doesn't now meet GDPR standards, yeah. or they got consent which doesn't meet <clears throat> um, the higher GDPR standard. So in that case, yeah. it's, it's okay to go back and say, we got consent from you before, but we're beefing up our consent. We're, you know, we're turbocharging it. We're making sure it's extra fair and lawful. Um, so please, would you, would you mind telling us if that's okay? And yeah. that's a good thing to do. The problem is that a lot of the emails arriving are from organizations that never got consent in the first place. Um, yeah. And so um, they're trying to get it now. And uh, actually, um, they, they all want to want to watch out with that because that's the sort of thing the Information Commissioner's Office does take an interest in. Mm -hmm. So, for example, um, the other a year ago, I think they fined Honda and Flybe for running reconsent campaigns that were not conducted in line with GDPR and PECA. Well, not GDPR because obviously we're not enforcement yet, but certainly PECA. So um, 
it's might actually be better not to send that email um, apart from anything else your email is going to drown in the signal to noise ratio of everybody's emails anyway at the moment yes. a lot of people are wholesale sweeping them into the spam folder um, but another thing um, if you uh, only whittle your database down to people who want to hear from you Yes, your volume metrics might go down, but your performance metrics go way up. So instead of basically pissing off a lot of people, yeah. you are engaging with a smaller number of people. And that's a yeah. good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, in, in terms of the emails that I've got, um, in fact, what I will do is um, lots, some of the other stuff that I have talked about on my podcast are around people who have um, what what one of the diagnostic manuals will refer to as gaming disorder and 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 there's a lot of talk about these dopamine hits that we get when yeah. when we hear the ping 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 from the email mine Absolutely. is actually on the opposite mine is it must be full i must be full of something called norepinephrine at the moment which is the one that and it'll go ping and i go oh for sake, not again i i, I don't <laughs> want to go near my emails right so this is not a time to be emailing no, no, no. I, yeah, I'm, I am at the stage where every time I hear the ping or the dip, whatever it is, and I just think, how many today? How many can I count today? But not only am I getting, um, we're updating our GDPR policies, and I'm going, how can you be updating something that's been out for two years? And secondly, they all are starting to talk about privacy settings. And I'm going, what? There's a part of me that wanted to bring this up in terms of when, when I said about the word privacy. So, We've got privacy policies that need to be on um, websites. Um, and I meant to say, I really liked yours, reluctantly, what was it? Reluctantly accept or reluctantly agree. Um, yeah, cookies it, Yeah, <laughs> it, and it's this, it's this idea of you've got to have a privacy policy here and you've got to have a privacy policy here. And in terms of my profession, what I am seeing at the minute is, oh, you need one on your website, you need one on your emails, you need one on your contract, you need one. And I'm saying, if we explain to our clients what we're doing with their data, that is the privacy policy. It's, it's why are we going to massive extremes of trying to put far too many, it's, it's like a 15 page document and nobody wants to sit in a therapy room and go through a 15 page document before engaging in therapy. Hell no. See, the thing that GDPR requires is the outcome that you have communicated to the data subject, the purposes of processing their personal data what you're going to do with it mm -hmm. uh, why um, anything that might be unusual or cause for surprise so like you're sending it outside uh, the EU or you're going to keep it for a hundred years or you're going to do all kinds of um, crafty profiling and, and analytics to influence someone's behavior mm -hmm. um, those are the things that's the outcome GDPR requires is that somebody knows that that's what's happening yeah um, it says nothing about the format in which that information is delivered. Although I think um, it does need to be written down somewhere. Mm -hmm. That doesn't yeah. need to be the only place it's written down. It certainly doesn't need to be written down in one huge long document. Um, I'm actually at the moment working on a blog post uh, about um, bad privacy notice bingo um, <laughs> and, yeah. and explaining <laughs> why putting it all in one huge long document is a really really bad idea yeah. actually what you want is just in time bite-sized relevant information with signposting to more detail if the person's bothered enough to want to go after it and you know there are people like me out there who will 
pursue it to the nth degree. Mm-hmm. Yep. But most yep. people um, just want to know what they need to know, which is, you know, if I enter this competition, are you going to stalk me all over the internet for the rest of my life? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my, uh, uh, in terms of when, um, so I was actually delivering some GDPR training for some counsellors the other week and I was talking about my contract. Now my contract is slightly different too, in inverted commas, the, the average everyday therapist, because I'm in the process of doing both research as well as um, conducting normal therapy. So it's about the things that I have in my building and why I keep data for so long and what, what I might do with that um, data. But also it, it will belong to the university as well. So there is something about some of the data I own, but once I've taken it for research purposes, it belongs to the university and not me. So that I, I've got a little bit of a, a slightly I'm going to pop up and have a little rant about actually ownership. Mm-hmm. GDPR says nothing about data ownership. Nobody owns personal data under data protection law. It's not like intellectual property law. There is data controllers and data processors and data subjects. Yeah. Yep. Data subjects have rights and controllers and processors have obligations. Yep. Nobody owns anything. It's not like property. Um, right. Because it's infinitely reproducible, um, it can't be treated like property. Um, uh-huh. so that's why right. it's, uh, yeah, it's not something you can uh, deprive, take from somebody with intent to deprive. You can take a copy, but you haven't stolen anything. You've may have expropriated it um so yeah that's why data protection law is it steers well clear of the concept of of ownership of personal right. data ah okay yeah. so when yeah <laughs> well, when, when i did my last yeah in fact when i did my last uh in fact the last piece of research so when it was um what i'd actually got in the ethics was once it was transcribed for the journal article that that was data that went out and actually that does belong to well it belongs to the journal to me to in in terms of that's what i was trying to convey in my uh contract which i'm now going to go and edit for the 545th time uh (laughs) i am not kidding i'm bloody sick of doing this but you do own the uh the presentation of the materials so the form the the article itself the the order that the words are written in yeah that's your intellectual property but yeah. the personal data within it can't be owned. So you don't necessarily have to edit your contract. Yeah. Most of, well, most, most of the time it isn't actually um, the, the actual data from the subject, if you like. I'm talking like, uh, um, so I'm going to stop talking like that for a moment. It's actually, it's never the client's words that appear in the, the piece of research. It's my reflections or something that happened. So a lot of the time I'm not actually using their data. What I talk about is it's, it's kind of a reflection or a synopsis or something like that. So again... I'm kind of going, so who, yeah, this data is, oh, it's not mine anyway. But who's the controller? Yeah, I'm just going to ask the next question then. So this is the other confusing part, isn't it? Who's a processor? Who's a controller? Um, So what I can tell you is um, on the many, many pages that I am involved in, in terms of uh, counselling and psychotherapy, there are lots of people who say, I've done the test online. So this must be the ICO's test, I presume that says, um, do you do this, do you do that, do you do the other? Uh, I don't have to register with them because I'm not a data controller um, and I'm not a data processor either. (laughs) Yeah, way to misunderstand that. Um, You can be a data controller and not have to register. Yeah. Um, (laughs) 
you can be both a data controller and a processor at the same time. Yeah. And um, data controllership is, is all about who's making the decisions about how and why the data, personal data is processed. So if you were a psychotherapist employed directly by a clinic, um, adhering to the clinic's uh, practices and policies and procedures and insured by the clinic's insurers, then you personally would not be the data controller, the clinic would be. However, yeah. if you were freelance and you were going off doing your own thing, maybe practicing privately, you would be the data controller, as in yes. your, organ your organization of one person would be the data controller. If, for example, you were going into schools and delivering therapy, you might well be a joint data controller with the school because they might need access to some of the data. Yes. Um, and they might need to use it for things that you both agree on, you and the school, together. So um, it's, it's, it's not, there's, there's very seldom a one-size-fits-all black and white, X is always controller, X is always processor. You always have to think through where does the decision-making authority lie, um, and so if somebody else can can if you if you hire somebody to do your printing for you, you can yeah. take that business away from them at the drop of a hat, and they they've got no say in it. So they're a yeah. processor. But if you hire somebody to um, help you with analysis, and they're using their professional judgment um, about. Um, what data to analyze and how it's analyzed and how the results are presented, then they're going to be a data controller too. And if you're doing it for the same purpose, you'll be joint controllers. But if they can then go off and maybe use their analysis in a way that you have no say over, they are also an independent data controller. Yes. So it's basically who's calling your shots. Uh, absolutely. So um, I think last week when I was teaching, or I might have, no, actually, I said this on a facebook page i think or i've probably done it in both and somewhere and, and got really naffed off with it and walked away but i have <laughs> said that actually you may end up being a joint controller yeah but i'm not a controller if the school and i've said no no no, no. it's not about who this isn't about x y and z this is about what you are doing with that data and at the end of the day if you put pen to paper or or type something about your client you are controlling the data you, you you're, you're you're using and and People have kind of got this misnomer between paper data, electronic data, whether they need to encrypt stuff. And I've actually had to sit with people and, and talk about, you know, the different systems of if you're using a Mac. So I'm, I'm a Mac user. If you use a Mac and then you have Office 365 and download your document, actually, you're, you are accessing your data from different points. And it's all about what system you're using, where you're accessing the data from. And then if you've got that data on your phone and somebody said, yeah, but if I encrypt it and I said, but you can still access it from your phone because you're on a iCloud account. Oh yeah. I hadn't thought of that. And yeah, I'm, I'm kind of saying, yeah. <laughs> oh, there is, there is a lot of confusion about how people protect and keep this, this data safe. And obviously as I was There's, saying earlier, we, we record yeah. it and that sometimes happens to be on um, uh, dictaphones or videos. Yeah, I mean, there is, uh, there's seven, formerly eight, now seven principles to GD, uh, today's protection law, and there's 20 years worth of compliance debt to catch up with. Mm. Um, so all stuff is not 
just it's not gdpr has made all this stuff happen this is all the stuff you should have been doing for 20 years and were got a bit slack on and now you've got to prove you're doing it for gdpr so you've actually got to start doing it so none of this is going to be an easy overnight um tick 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 job done it's going to require sitting down and really thinking about why personal data is being processed what data is being processed what's mm. the processing what endpoints does that touch where does it take place what third parties and suppliers are involved who else is it going to how long is it going to be kept can it if it needs to be kept for a certain amount of time how will it be preserved so that it's still uh, accessible and readable at the end of that time um mm. for example uh, i think it was bt was it british gas had to spend an absolute fortune on um getting a consultant who could uh, work with a particular piece of really old proprietary technology because the data that they had that the backups they'd made at that time could only be read by that piece of kit nobody knew how to operate this piece of kit because it was like 30 years old so they had to pay some guys silly money to be able to get the data that they were legally obligated to produce um, back out of this bit of kit so you know thinking in advance how am I going to make sure that this data is identifiable, locatable, retrievable, reliable when it comes to it? If I have a subject access request, mm. how am I going to separate what is in scope from what isn't in scope? Can it even be separated? And if not, what do I do then? Um, if somebody exercises their right to erasure because I've mis- mistakenly misled them into thinking that I'm processing on the basis of consent, if I don't erase it when they've withdrawn their consent, I'm processing it unlawfully. Yeah, um, yeah there's, an, there's an absolute um, bundle of things to think about, but um, it does need all need to be thought about. Um, and it means people need to treat data not so much as something that they tripped over on the way to work that might be useful so they put it in their pocket anymore, but yeah. um, it's, it's more like plutonium, actually. You know, used wisely and carefully by the right people, great stuff. In the wrong hands, used carelessly, left lying about, severely bad news. Yes. Yeah. And uh, God, I've got so many bloody examples of that. So um, I think <laughs> yeah, somebody, will, was saying, yeah. somebody was saying to me the other day that they'd been and collected something from, oh, was it, it wasn't Ikea or no, it wasn't Ikea, but it was somewhere where they'd been to collect something and they needed a phone number. So the receptionist actually gave them the piece of paper with the the phone number on, but on the back of it was somebody else's name, uh, address, delivery details of something. And I was just like, oh, my word, this is this. (laughs) There's going to be a lot of tripping over and and people kind of hiding things under under cabinets and so on from now on. It's it's (laughs) Um, I'm I'm just thinking, actually, in terms of uh where my head went when you were talking a minute ago apart from the five inch floppy disks which was the first thing that went through my head and i was like yeah how do you get it off a five inch floppy disk now when it's the price (laughs) you spend a lot of money on kit (laughs) yes or or you still have it in the loft (laughs) yeah Yeah. (laughs) i've still got yeah i've still got commodore 64s in the loft you know what i mean it's like i yeah which they, they don't bloody work but there's something about nostalgia and keeping hold of things but yeah we're on to I, i'm just thinking about this right to erase it so i don't know if you have seen um but i just wanted to show you this rowena there's um gary from agency <laughs> did these pencils and it says gdpr compliant on them because you have the right to erasure um so 
he's a wag <laughs> yeah there is there is something around what yeah in terms of when when i'm uh, talking to counselors uh, therapists and actually it was a question that a client made last week because i have been boring my clients to death with this um in terms of what they can have a right to erase what would that actually encompass what would that look like um i don't think in the context of providing therapy services the right to erasure can possibly apply at all yeah because the right to erasure is uh only um a thing where the processing is based on consent the processing is based on legitimate interests and the legitimate interests don't override the rights and freedoms of the data subject um where the processing is based on a contract and the contract's ended and there's no legitimate interest for continuing to process the data or where the processing is unlawful and that's where a lot of people are likely to come unstuck because yeah. if they've been processing on the basis of invalid consent then yes their processing will be unlawful um so um i don't think the right to erasure is something that should even be entering um people in the therapy profession's minds outside of any marketing they might do that's business to customer rather than business mm -hmm. to business yeah. outside of that Mm, I don't think, let me backtrack a second. I'm talking specifically about patient client data here. Yeah. When it comes to things like um, contact details of family members that you might need while you're still seeing the person in sessions, but you wouldn't necessarily need two years later when you've not got any more contact with them. Yes, those could very well have the right to erasure attached to them. But the, um, the, the the therapeutic records, clinical records themselves, no, yeah. it's not well, a thing. Well, I mean, in, yeah, in our profession, in the way that things can be uh, subpoenaed and used and, and so on, because that, that is one of the issues is, uh, I think it was a counselling organisation said, but on it wasn't, it was somebody else who said, um, well, what I've done is I've, I've uh, and it was from one of these email systems, actually, and we were talking about they'd sent the email out and now they've got a list of people who were asking to be erased. And they said, and what do we do with that list? And I said, well, what, what do you need the list of people who have asked to be erased for? Uh, because it kind of, un, it's, it's almost counterintuitive that they've kept the list of people who have asked to be erased. Um, so I think there's a lot of confusion around yeah. what, it, what it is we're supposed to do. But also you can see people who have then said, right, I'm not going to subscribe to this anymore. And then you've got a list of it. Yeah. This, this right to erasure is actually more, I think it's more confusing for some people than it is um, that what you actually take in the first place. I think people are getting their knickers in a twist unnecessarily about it, I have to say. Um, I know <coughs> lots and lots of IT people have been popping up going, oh, yes, but, you know, if we erase somebody, then how do we prove we've erased them? And the point is that if you've erased them, you don't need to worry about it anymore anyway. So, you know, <laughs> going don't think yeah, about it not, that's what they asked for <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> like maybe maybe you want to keep a list for a year for a court, uh, auditing and accounting purposes so that you can demonstrate as a matter of professional accountability that you are complying with data protection law mm -hmm. um yeah that's that comes under legitimate interest that's fine you can say we've got a need to keep a list of people who've been who've had all the other data about them erased from our systems that's no problem because yeah. like i said the whole point of gdpr is is not to be a git and if you're going to be keeping stuff against somebody's wishes you're going to need to come up with a good justification for that or you're being a git 
And if you're going to erase stuff that is necessary for public records, professional accountability, action, then erasing that is irresponsible and being a git. So the git test kind of applies everywhere you look. Well, yeah, and and obviously in in our profession, um, like my, mine, sorry, is is there is um, people do have a, a a right to anonymity when they come to therapy anyway. So, you know, it, I saw a a fickle argument about you know whether it should be on bank statements. You know, if your client pays it, and I thought, for goodness' sake, these are people coming into therapy who are aware that if they pay you by bank transfer, that their name will show up on your bank account. But that's also something that's accountable in, uh, uh, without using the word twice, uh, when you when you submit your accounts to say that actually these are the payments that came in. Um, I, I, and I'm just finding that it's, it's like everybody wants to, I'm going to call it the Tipex culture. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. That's quite closely aligned to my tick box culture, which is what yeah. I absolutely hate. Yeah. I think that's what that's what we need. We just need to get shares in Tipex, and we'll be we'll be fine on you know just handing it out, and people can just. Other brands of razor may apply. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I don't get I don't get um well I do get sponsored by agency for the podcast, but I don't get sponsored by anybody else to uh, be doing anything like this. Um, it, do you think do you think there's anything else we should be kind of covering in terms of you know it's it's five days to go or four days by the time this comes out? So we've done a little bit around privacy, controller processor. Um, erasure what else what else are the things that I see people with um, I wanted to say wittering on about but that's essentially <laughs> what that, that is essentially what I'm seeing so on the subject of wittering yeah I would say um, one of the things um, that I am going around saying to people an awful lot at the moment because um, yeah I give data protection advice as a day job mm. um, I won't mention whom because you know obviously you're sponsored by agency <laughs> Uh, yeah. and uh, you know, there's a market of more than one company out there um, uh, yes but yes the the um the the things that i'm finding i have to say to people is stop obsessing about the little tiny details of the difference for example between unambiguous and explicit consent it doesn't matter what you need to be thinking about is your purposes and your legal basis and your transparency um also having a plan so no one's going to be compliant by the 25th, like no one. Mm-hmm. I'm fairly convinced not even the ICO. They certainly won't be ready, even if they're compliant. <laughs> yep. No one's going to be compliant. Um, so, but if you should get into a pickle, if somebody should complain, or if you have a problem that, that um, means that the, the regulator's eye turns upon you, what they're going to want to see is that you've got a plan, an actual plan with, Um, you know actions and priorities and dates scheduled and people accountable for making things happen not just a set of meeting minutes where you go oh yes we're going to do something about this yes jolly good Um, but an actual plan and if you can show that you've got a plan you are doing stuff you are making progress and really most importantly that you're not rushing around bunging a load of cosmetic paper fixes in just to get past the 25th but you're actually taking it seriously and doing it properly and thinking about it and building effective sustainable data protection then um, you are going to be in a much better position 
than if you'd either uh, panicked or not done anything or run around um, slapping paper fig leaves over all of the, the naked statues in the hope that nobody will notice there's a statue there. There's, I'll tell you what, there's a lot of this, isn't there? That, um, not only have we got tipex and ticks in box, ticking boxes, but we've now got stick fig leaves on everything. And, and yeah. Yes, yeah, this has definitely been a, um, a slightly more abrupt, nerdy anorak version of um, kind of GDPR, quickly get it sorted. Um, I, and I'm, I'm beginning to think now what I might change the uh, title of this podcast to. So. but it might be hashtag don't be a git um that's not that that works for me i think that's a great title yeah yeah um right where where are we up to i've uh, i'm just thinking about kind of timings wise because obviously i know it's um nearly food time for both of us so i'm just thinking about what do you think there's anything else you want to cover need to cover um because I've, I've a funny feeling that um, not only will I be talking to Gary after the 25th, after I've been to his uh, GDPR party, um, but there's also, yeah, this is going to be an ongoing conversation because we're going to get into uh, later on in the year talking with people about the Digi- Digital Economy Act and, and so on and so forth. So that there's lots of privacy regulation and all, uh, all sorts of it, stuff, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's there's so much more to kind of to to discuss around this topic and and obviously um, this was not what I trained for or wanted to get into but I seem to have kind of been drawn into this this GDPR world and yeah it's become something that I've started to use the lingo which I'm going to refrain from doing because um it's it's not my bag this is not my thing I keep saying that and Gary's like yeah but you're you're in the world now that's it you've been sucked in another convert GDPR <laughs> vortex it's uh, yeah. Cool. <laughs> Yeah, do you think there's anything else we need to um, put down? I think I've got I've got ticks next to kind of the main principles that people have gone on about. And um, I think just from my point of view, it's it's really important not to treat the 25th of May as a deadline to cross. It's more like, um, uh, it, well, one of the the examples my boss uses is that. It's like a pregnancy. The baby's born on the 25th of May. That is not where the work stops. That's where the real work starts. You've got to raise a data protection baby to be a mature and responsible member of society. It's going to take a while. Um, But I suppose in the context of um, of your your probably your listener demographic, um, May the 25th is like making, you know, is like your first appointment with a therapist or with a client, the relationship's going to go on for much, much longer than that. um, Because it's not, purpose is not to turn up at a place and talk to somebody. The purpose is to, you know, talk through stuff, resolve stuff, um, heal stuff. And so it is with data protection. The purpose is not to go, oh, being compliant 25th. The purpose is to not be a git. And that might take a while. Yes, I do have one quick question, which I've just realised, um, didn't write down, haven't paid attention to, but it's just popped in my head. Um, so the other thing that I've seen, and it's been on two pages uh, today, do we need to contact previous clients? And I've, I've kind of gone in and said, well, why, why would you need to do that if you actually have the consent in the first place? So I'm, I'm seeing lots and lots of therapists and organisations, is one of them, have said they're now going to recontact old clients to say, by the way, uh, and I've said you don't need to do that. No, so would I? Would first I be right in? First of all, they shouldn't have got consent for processing in the first place because it's completely invalid and therefore unlawful. Um, they had a ground for processing; they didn't need consent. Secondly, um, unless they are 
continuing to process the data in a way that um, wasn't explained to the client originally yeah. then you know what they said originally still stands now what it might be worth doing in fact is very very worth doing is if they have a website or a leaflet or anything like that is to update the information on that website to say here is an explanation of how and why if you've visited me um, how and why I'm going to keep your records and here are your rights and it yeah. doesn't have to be a separate page marked privacy policy written in incomprehensible lawyer speak in fact it's best not to be um, but it's it's an, an FYI I care about you and I care about your rights therefore I'm telling you this you don't need to do anything yeah um, this is information that that I want you to have yeah, well, I, I'm, I'm just thinking about in, in my training, one of the things that I did with um, lots of the child cli child clients was we talked about, um, so when I'd first see them and I'd say, okay, so what I'm going to do is we're going to sign this piece of paper. And it was usually for young children, it might be a picture that we did that we're going to do therapy together. So this is um, the, the other kind of consent. Yeah, so we're going to do therapy together. And Intimate. anything that you make and you leave with me, I have to keep, so if I write something about you or, or you make something like a picture and you leave it with me, I have to keep that until you are 25. And these kids would go, 25? And I'd say, yeah, it's seven years after your 18th birthday. So I have to look after your picture. And you can, you can come back for that picture. Um, I've recently been talking with the insurance companies because, my God, some of this data are rockets made. Out, well, there, there aren't any of these, but I'm just giving an example. Rockets made out of big, big cardboard boxes uh, there is absolutely no way i can keep that kind of in inverted commas data so That's what data anyway yeah so what i mean we we are expected in our trade to trade profession to look after what somebody makes because actually that's their, their therapy um so oh. what i started to say is when you leave would you like to take things with you would you like me to keep them or would you like to squash them all up burn them or whatever and and i give the clients the choice so we now have this um, kind of conversation and that's that's actually what I do with the the I call them dinkies but anybody up to about the age of 12 13 that don't understand permanence because that's another issue is is children under the age of 13 don't have the cognitive ability to and, and this is obviously what we're going to be talking about on another podcast at some point uh, and this is the thing about children they don't have the cognitive capacity to make decisions about data and things that will be kept about them because they don't understand what it is that you're asking them in the first instance. Absolutely. And therefore asking them is not even appropriate. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. So I think when I, when I explain to people about my contract, I've written it in uh, child speak because I have to get children to consent that they're going to come into therapy. So my, my uh, contract says that you're going to come into therapy, that we're going to have a safe space together. That da, 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 da. And, and somebody said, so do you do, do you do a separate one for the adults? And I said, no, because actually they like it written in, in uh, this kind of ABC speak. Yeah, absolutely. Explain like I'm five is a really good, um, good piece of advice for any kind of communications material, whether it's a privacy notice or a contract or what. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm all in. I think that sounds brilliant. Yeah, well, I mean, that's that's what I do with the email system. So I say, if I'm going to if I'm going to email your teacher, I have a very special email system that allows me to send it. And I talk about it um, being being um, like it gets sent from me to a very special place at the school, and that the only person who can see that is the teacher, and then they can send it back securely. And it's and we I tend to use computer games when I'm talking to them because they get that. 
you know, and I'll say, and it's not out in the open where everybody can come and steal your XP points and so on. And yeah, yeah, because at the end of the day, that's that has, um, and it is on uh, on my webinars about the fact that schools, EAPs, organisations will send it. Well, clearly not from the end of this week, but they send information to a non-secure email address. I know it's horrifying. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We'll leave that one just there. I've just, <laughs> yeah, draw a line under that one, Kath, because you'll go on for another hour. Right. So, uh, th uh, yeah, thank you ever so much for your time then, Rowena, uh, Rowena even, uh, wrong name. Um, and I will put your Twitter handle in the show notes if you're okay with that. And yeah, your, your would you like your website up there? And then people can come to you because obviously, um, you know, uh, as we've said, yeah. there are other data. Uh, <laughs> yeah, d d there are other DPA uh, advisors out there, as well as uh, Gary and his crew. And I know that they're uh, everybody's very busy at the moment. Yes. Yeah. Yep. No, I'm quite happy for you to put a, a link to my Miss Info Geek blog. Great. Um, yeah, because I just Great. do that for fun. And yes, and and you know, have a wry sense of humour when you come to read it, because actually, it is. It's it's very much you know, stop stop being a git. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's pretty blunt <laughs> yeah right well, thank you very much for doing me the honor of asking me to to be on the podcast it's been great fun uh, well it's this uh i want i want to say i'm gonna have a dig at gary gary needs to be far more available for me at the minute in terms of what we need to be talking about on the podcast and i know that he'll listen to this so um i'll get, <laughs> I'll get that in and i'll get my message off him later um, <laughs> but thank you i mean this is this is one of the things that i'm doing i'm talking to people and everybody has a different opinion and this might just be the right time and obviously people from my profession might hear it in a different way and be able to make different decisions because I think, as I've said before, we are in absolute turmoil. Everybody's running around like headless chickens and they just need to chill out. Yep. They need good information with which to make information-based decisions to absolutely. achieve the outcomes yeah. that they're looking for. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay. Thank you for your time then, Rowena. You are most welcome.